Why is it so hard for you to get this song ready? You can start. Oh, okay. All right. I'll start then. Three, two, one. episode of your and mine favorite podcast uh why is this so hard for you uh i'm still derek and you are roberto roberto <laughs> i'm curtis <laughs> uh, we've or seen, jonathan we've seen, roberto? We replaced oh, jonathan with roberto i've learned that i can roll my r so i try to just okay. use that anytime well, i can yeah, good that's good we've secretly replaced jonathan with roberto let's watch and see what happens Nothing, really. Nothing. Same old, same old. Well, we're glad you've joined us again for our little podcast, Why Is This So Hard For You To Listen To Artists And Not Show Any uh, not show any um, Gumption To Listen To Something Other Than The Hits. So, why you gotta listen to always to that same Night Ranger song when it comes on uh, classic rock radio? There will be no Night Ranger in this episode, no. by the way. Nope. Just, just, I mean, not, I mean, there could be in a later episode, but just none here so anyway we bring you the songs of the artists you know and the songs you maybe do not all right we're going to kick things off with uh, jonathan's uh, musical choice and uh i cannot wait to get into this one so here we go what have we here my friend if you don't know the band from the signature guitar tone then there's a problem we're going to go with a song only listed by numbers 5150 by Van Halen off the same album from 1986 okay I did not see this was so far afield of what I thought you were going to send us so you've got to explain your love of this song so we talked about our influences in the very beginning yep. you know I, I talked about what I might be bringing to the table and you're right. This is this is way off, but um, I was not. I'm not the historic Van Halen. Know all the know all the stuff. I came to Van Halen, quite frankly, in 1984. Okay, that was my entry point into Van Halen, and from that, I was I was hooked, and this album landed, and it was amazing. I mean, subbing out Sammy Hagar from David Lee Roth just did something amazing for this album for me. And I couldn't get enough. And I love the hits off this album. I will still listen to the hits. These hits are not burnt to a crisp off 5150. This track was buried at number nine. It's the the eighth track. It's, It's actually the eighth of nine tracks on this album. So you've got You've got Eddie, you've got Michael, you've got Alex, but now you're subbing in Sammy. And, again, the emotion, the feeling, much like a not-to-be-named B-52 song. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Evokes just the memory of the emotion and the time back in, you know, 86 subsequent summers when I would listen to this album and uh, yeah I love this track so you you probably owned this on cassette 
oh, back in the day. Yes, I did. Okay. And so you probably first heard it when you were down at the convenience store playing track and field video games. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, and uh, and also at the laundromat playing um, All Star Wrestling. Yes. Okay. Or tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling. Yes. Listen to a lot of this. Um, I'm going to make the case that I love the background vocal. Michael Anthony's background vocals there with Eddie. Those are great. Um, kind of in the pre-chorus. Um, the Simmons drums on this album are really. Predom- let's just say predominant. I, I kind of want to give production choices a wide berth because, hey, if you and I were producing albums back then, we would have used all this stuff too. So it just is what it is. Um, but there is no final, uh, finer uh, rock lyricist than Samuel Roy Hagar. <laughs> right. Because I remember being blown away on Why Can't This Be Love, which is another mm. song from this album, when the poet laureate of rock, Samuel Roy Hagar, writes those famous words, only time will tell if we stand the test of time. <laughs> <laughs> that is just high poetry right there. Um, but yeah. Now, is it just me, or is Alex a little sloppy on this track? As I listen to it, which this is not an album I'm terribly familiar with. I was a David Roth guy. Yeah. And I never thought Alex was a particularly precise drummer, but I felt like on this track, there were times where he was... A little floppy. Yeah. They didn't quantize. Right. Oh, absolutely. Which is fine with me. I'm all for not quantizing. Right. Now, was this was was this post Ted Templeman? No, Ted Templeman was still involved in Fifty One Fifty. Okay, I couldn't remember. I mean, I read that book. Yep. Uh, his 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 autobiography. His autobiography. Ted Templeman, the producer of the first six or seven. Van yeah, Hater I couldn't albums. remember if he was on the outs at this point. If he was at, at this point where he was kind of being locked out of the studio. Yes, you remember correctly. So that started with this album. Uh, at this point, Eddie had built onto his house, 5150, the studio. Right. And so he and Don Landy, the engineer, would go in there and record three or four days in a row. I'm sure no substances were involved. Yeah, three or four days solid. Straight. Yeah. Straight. Right. 24 hours. Yeah. And so Templeman never wanted to record at 5150. Right. He thought the studio was going to be like a demo studio didn't realize it was going to be something they recorded at so yeah this that's the beginning of this here's a nice note from sammy right here at the end yeah now that's something that david lee roth could have never done no there's no doubt that sammy hagar is a superior musician right and singer of course singer but david lee roth had a way he had a charisma yep to him um, that was overdone live, I think. Oh, very much. Um, but he wrote the lyrics to yep. all of those songs, and he had a way with a turn of phrase. Yep, yeah. He, he was a weird kind of poet that way. Yeah, line. yeah. It was just, it was odd. And he would sit down and write them on the fly. Yep. Okay, so I, I did not see this one yep. coming. So I 
my mind has been expanded to where you're going to go in later episodes because now I'm just like, okay, I was expecting Billy Joel, Elton John, uh, Bruce Hornsby, and show tunes, and now you pulled Van Halen on me. So I have no idea where you're going next. Makes two of us. Yeah. Okay. All right, Curtis. Um, man, I'm excited to play this one. Here we go. This is Curtis's uh, contribution. Okay. This this is the song Paradox from the Kansas 1977 album Point of No Return. Yep. I could have play, pulled anything off of this album um, that wasn't a hit and been just equally impressed with the song. It, it had a, any one of them would have had an equal impression on a young me. Yeah. Um, this was the band's fifth studio album and this was one of the gateways to Prague for me. I liked the song Dust in the Wind. Huge hit. Huge hit. Sure. Bought the album. Not And, and I knew uh, Carry On Wayward Son. Everybody knew that. Mm-hmm. And I bought this. Not quite sure what I was going to get otherwise. Put on my headphones. Heard the first cut. Point of no return. Familiar with that because it had gotten some radio play. And then this hits. As it was just again one of those eye-opening moments of prog. Right. Um, Who's so, in the band here at this point, by the way? What's that? Who's in the band here? Oh, at this, this is point? The, well. This it, this is the original lineup. Right. And uh, the writers were Carrie Livgren and, and uh, Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. Um, the song deals with the duality of life, paradox, right? Um, struggle between opposing forces in life. This is, uh, you know, things like despair and joy. Um, Ketchup and mustard. Yes. This is just quintessential Livgren lyrics yep. from this point in time. If you look at the words, dust in the wind, it's sort of the same, you know, what's the point to all this? Why is there so much... You know, this, that, and the other thing in the world. Right. And so Livgren was obviously on a search for meaning in his life through several albums, you know. And uh, so, but like this section of the song here where you've got two against three going on and just the um, bars of four followed by bars of two um, musically. Yeah. I mean, this really just, it's like, what is this? I love this, you know, kind of disjointed feel to things. And so this was, this would lead me into other things like Rush and, um, you know, heavier prog stuff. So anyway, that's, but yeah, this was the original band lineup, Steve Walsh, Kerry Livgren, um, help me out with names. Billy Hart. Robbie Steinhardt. Robbie Steinhardt. Um, Hope. Dave Hope. Dave Hope. Yep. yep. This is this is a new one for you, maybe. It is. It is. I was, you know, I, I knew the Kansas hits. Yep. I've listened to some, and this, I, I mean, this is just a uh, tutorial on prog rock. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, Curtis, you and I have talked about this. I'm sorry, but when they when the history of great male tenor vocalists for rock is written, Steve Walsh needs to be right near the top. He has never t- 
talked about in those terms of like Steve Perry, right? Yeah, you know, and he, Lou he, Graham, he was at this time for this band, he was a powerhouse. Oh, for sure. Now he he said I found in researching some of the things on this that he was becoming a bit of a prima donna even by his own. He he, you know, uh. he was he was looking forward to that um, solo career. And so he was uh, becoming a little bit difficult mm. at this time. Um, he had not yet realized the dream of fronting streets. Ah, that came massive in like the uh, early eighties. That massive mm. force of music that was streets. <laughs> who I saw live. Yes, you did here in Wichita. Here in Wichita, Kansas. Um, at that time, there were two. I would say major beer band, uh, beer dance clubs. They were not, they were 18, you know, they served three, two beer. And you could go in and listen to music and they had a dance floor. There was Pogo's. Yes. Which was sort of the popped collar Izod crowd. Yes. Frat boy. Yes. And then there was a place called Backstreet. Mm. I remember them both. And it was sort of the opposite crowd of the izod popped collar this was going to be the um this was going to be the shop class guy it was and it was a predominantly male yeah mm. place yeah. and you saw streets and i saw streets with steve walsh at backstreet wow or backstage what was the name of the place backstage i think it's backstage and it was pretty obvious he was not happy with where he was playing. It was a short set, and he was obviously annoyed with the fact that he was playing backstage in Wichita, Kansas. Backstage in Wichita, Kansas. And not for Madison a, Square Garden. For a group of semi drunk on 3 2 beer guys. Yeah. That'll happen. Now, speaking of streets, um, well, Kansas, on my CD wall over there, I have all the Kansas albums. So, And then I have both Streets um, studio albums. So Streets, mm -hmm. first, their first album's called First. That's fitting that you yeah. call. And then the, the follow-up was Crimes in Mind. Right. That's the follow-up. And then I have a very rare Streets live on the King Biscuit Flower Hour disc. Oh, wow. Ooh. So it's live Streets. Well, I've heard it. Yeah, and live. Yeah, I do not think this is from backstage. Right. But um but yeah, this era of Kansas is almost just can't miss. I just yeah, love everything from this album I wore the grooves off yeah, of. Yeah, I remember you telling me this was kind this of This your... was just uh, you know, what would I have been, you know, junior in high school, sophomore somewhere in there. And yeah. This just was again, this was a eye-opening proggy what yeah. you know coming from musical background being an instrumentalist and loving music something that went in places you didn't expect mm, right. just was like oh, love that yeah to this day when i hear music that goes in a direction that i didn't expect it know, all goes back to kansas <laughs> you know the it <clears throat> It leads you someplace you think it's going, and then it takes a little bit of a turn, and it's like, ah, oh, I love that. So yeah, and this was new to you, Jonathan. It was. It was new to me. 
Uh, a question that I had. I mean, I've seen Kansas once. Sorry, guys. I was there with you. Yes. And um, with Shooting Star. With Shooting oh, Star opening. Kansas Can- City Band, yeah. Kansas Coliseum. And um, so was this a tune that really ever got played live? Oh, yeah. Yes. Big oh, time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because it been... lends itself quite well to a live setting. Yeah. Yeah. This one definitely got played live. In fact, it may have been played live when we saw them. That was on the tour for Power. Mm-hmm. So. No, I take that back. This would have been... It would have been early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. This would have been... Yeah, this would have been beyond power and been beyond in the spirit of things. So no Steve Morris at that point. But, um, yeah. Now, unfortunately, Walsh, as with so many of those 70s, 80s vocalists, completely coked his voice out. Yeah. So... He's kind of a shell of himself. About 10 years ago, they sort of, or roughly in that area, they did a reunion. Yeah. And Steve Walsh rejoined them, and his voice was just very thin. Mm. Didn't have the fullness to it. He was still hitting the pitches. Right. But it just seemed thin and strained. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so he's definitely no longer with the band anymore. Okay, so we're coming to mine. Uh, My contribution and as I mentioned in kind of the pilot episode, pretty much anything I have um, is going to have kind of a jazz twist to it. So this is my contribution. Definitely a rock artist, well-known, but a jazz twist. And this is a hit, yeah. just not this version. Right. And not, not a huge hit, though. Right. Not a huge hit. I made sure we were in the parameters. So here we go. So here we have James Taylor with Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight, but not the studio version with Lee Sklar and Russ Kunkel and Craig Durge. This is from Michael Brecker, the jazz saxophonist book, uh, his uh, album The Nearness of You, the ballad book. So there's that. Here's my CD copy right here. This band is a bunch of nobodies. Who's heard of them? Yeah, so we have, of course, Michael Brecker on tenor, Hmm. Herbie Hancock on piano, Charlie Hayden, Hmm. bass. Anybody so far? No. Um, Jack DeJanette on drums. Drummer Blank. Pat Metheny on guitar. Who? Yeah, nobody knows anything. So anyway, obviously an album called The Ballad Book. It's all ballads. Um, And there's two tunes on here featuring... Uh, featuring James Taylor. I can't remember what the other one is. I think it's The Nearness of You. But this is their version of James's Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight. Had you guys heard this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is as phenomenal a backing band as you're ever going to have. Um, reimagining one of James's hits. Um and when you compare this to the original version, it is so striking how well James's voice is. Yes, aged. it's like a fine wine. I like James the singer. The older he got, than the guy in the seventies. Yeah. What about you guys? Up to a point. Um, I liked his stuff in the eighties and nineties. Right. Mm. Um, 
early two thousands. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the way it was recorded when he did the the duet with Carol King at the Troubadour. Oh, like I, the I did not like his vocal production. I didn't know if it was his voice or just the way they EQ'd the mic. I mm. didn't care for that. I don't know. Um, and I've heard him. I mean, he's up in years now. Yeah, he yeah. is. Everybody tails it, off there at the end. He, sure, but he still sounds good. Yeah, he, he does. Still sounds he's good. still he out there touring, getting There was a point that I thought that, well, he's starting to fall off a little bit. He's not what he was a couple decades ago, but who are, <laughs> which of us is. Right. Um, for those of you that might not know Michael Brecker, he was just one of the most phenomenal tenor saxophonists. Um just post John Coltrane, probably one of the greatest tenor players uh, in jazz history. Um, played on so many pop hits. Played yes. on Still Crazy After All These Years by Paul Simon. Mm. Um, played that beautiful soprano solo on Another Old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg. Right. Um, played on Dire Straits' um, Brothers in Arms album, Your Latest Trick. Um, i trying to remember. I think he played on your... Something else on James's JT album. Mm. It, oh, How Sweet It Is. He plays the oh, saxophone okay. solo on How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. Um, so an interesting thing about this track, and James in particular, in 2002, James won Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for this track. So this was a Grammy winner. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So Brecker got a Grammy something on his album I I actually like that Brecker who was very highly regarded in the jazz world Mm -hmm. didn't mind as a lot of the jazzers think slumming it playing on pop records right Right. I mean this guy knew well I gotta make gotta pay the rent yeah there's three or four songs that I'm gonna bring in that are pop hits that have Brecker playing on them. So mm. this won't this won't be the last time we hear from Michael Brecker. Well, yeah, but there, you know there are stories of uh, like on the Asia Steely Dan Asia album mm-hmm. where uh, okay I'm blanking now saxophone player weather report um, uh, Wayne, Wayne Shorter, Shorter yep. comes in he did not want to be there right mm. playing on a pop record so I mean. But you had Michael Brecker, who really didn't see things that way. He right. Was just, this is music, and yeah, you know. and good, good selling music. Yeah, yeah. That's good. the better for it. So that's my contribution. Don't let me be lonely tonight by James Taylor. It's interpreted through uh, Michael Brecker and his buddies. All right, so we've come to the part of the show we like to call "Burn to a Crisp," and uh, if I'm not mistaken, this time it's Curtis's turn. And I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm. I yeah, don't. yeah. I mean, for me, if I've learned anything from this segment, it's to have thick skin. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. But uh, in this case, I'm not sure that that is uh, it's important at all. Because yeah. even the skin itself has probably been burned to a crisp. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing but well, scar extra crispy. It's nothing, scar tissue. nothing but scar tissue at this all point. All right. Okay. So I'm not even gonna. I'm just going to hit play. Please do. Because uh, I can control the volume. I can turn it down. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, the good thing is we're, we're getting it out of the way. Yeah, I wanted to get this one clear of us right away. <sighs> to get on to more burnt Christmas <laughs> songs. Yes. I love Toto. Yeah. Yes, you do. They are... Oh, I hear the drums too. Um, <laughs> I wish they'd stop. Uh, I first heard Toto working at a Kmart, and we would close Kmart. This is back in the day where you're the, the one that closed Kmart. Where they would have the stereo section. Oh, mm. got it. And somebody put on the first Toto album while we'd be sweeping up and blasted over the whole store. And it's like, what is this? This is great. I've loved all things Toto, most things Toto. But this song just got killed by MTV. It's their only number one hit. Written by David Page. Um... When it came out, Steve Lukather, the guitarist for Toto, famously said, if this song is a hit, I'll run naked down Sunset Boulevard. I don't know that he ever fulfilled his promise to do that. But this was by far their biggest hit. Oh, sure. Where did it end up? What do you mean? On the charts. Number one. Was it one? This was a number one hit for them. And then it was burnt up like crazy during the 1983 time by MTV yep and then it kind of went away and then those evil (laughs) members of Weezer (laughs) resurrected this thing yeah by doing a a cover we'll call well I'm people like Weezer and they Weez- like their cover. Weezer fans have to have thin skin or thick skin. That's here. right. So, um, anyway, they unearthed this from the ash heap and <laughs> <laughs> brought it back with a vengeance. Mm. You know, that's true. You had the rock music critics who hated Toto, hated them. And so. People kind of liked this song, but were a little embarrassed. To, you know, it was one of those. Uh, and then when it was resurrected, then people, they, Toto's more popular, you know, in the yeah. last 10 years than they, so. Anyway, that's my take on this. Wow. But as a Toto fan, I know you've seen him live a couple times. Several, yeah. Not a fan of this when no. it comes up. And this is one of them that they do an extended yeah. like, eight-minute version. Oh, that's true. When I saw them in the spring of 23, thankfully, they put this early in the set. You know, they're, oh, that's good. They're not closing with this. It's it's something they're mixing in early in the set, so we get it out of the way. Yeah. They have to play it. Oh, yes. And now that David Page is really not touring with them, Lukather and Joe Williams are probably setting the playlist Ah. I'm guessing their biases have something to do with that Mm -hmm. wow well and then this song resurfaces in 
a uh, Pentatonix Christmas album. Oh. Christmas? Oh, yeah. If you listen to the 12 Days of Christmas by the Pentatonix, they take a whole excerpt of this song and include it in the 12 Days of Christmas. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can kind of, I'm listening to it now, and I can kind of hear where they would go with that. Yeah. I don't know why. Right. I mean, if this song did nothing else, it really upped people's, uh, you know, intelligence of the geography of the continent of Africa. Right. So, yeah, they know. Serengeti. Serengeti rises like, uh, that Kilimanjaro <laughs> oh, rises yeah. like a leprous above the Serengeti. No, above the Serengeti. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, the proper pronunciation there. All right. Well, you've uh, you've gotten the whole enchilada from from us again this time. Um, we encourage you, as always, to go out. If you heard something you like, go out and purchase uh, a copy from Apple Music or Amazon Music, wherever you get your music. Stop. Why is it so hard for you to just stop streaming? Just buy some music already. Um, buy a hard copy. Be like me. Get a wall full of CDs that you'll leave to your kids, and they'll have no idea what to do with them. So, anyway. We're so glad you joined us again on another episode of Why Is This So Hard For You? And we look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Roberto! Roberto.